Welcome to the York County Economic Alliance podcast, produced in partnership with BizNews PA. I'm Joel Berg, editor and founder of BizNews PA. Today, we're talking about the challenges facing childcare and early childhood education and what they mean for the health and economic future of York County and the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. Our guests are Shante Brown, Deputy Secretary in the Office of Childhood Development and Early Learning in the Pennsylvania Departments of Education and Human Services, Andrea Heberlein, Executive Director of the Pennsylvania Early Learning Investment Commission, and Brian Grimm, President and CEO of York Day Early Learning. So, you know, as you guys are very much aware, um, the challenges in childcare and early childhood education are not new. Um, why, why do you think we are still struggling to meet them? And Shanti, let's, let's start with you. Sure. I, I think the, the biggest challenge in our sector has been funding, um, particular to the way that we fund. Uh, we have a blended funded model. Um, it's, a, it's a little bit of state funds. It's federal funds. It's private dollars, and it's really hard for businesses to, to sustain when they have just these different blended models. Um, some agencies do it really well, and some agencies are struggling, understanding that a lot of their funding actually comes from enrollment and in this uh, cost per child model. So, um, I think I think that's why we're still here. We have to figure out a way to. Uh, prioritize um, our ECE programs um, the same way that we have prioritized traditional schools. Mm-hmm. And can you explain maybe how the cost per child model works? I've heard that phrase before, but I'm not sure everyone kind of understands who outside the industry might understand what that. Sure. Means. So with our our subsidy dollars um, and with our early learning programs, so I'll, I'll go with Head Start for instance. Um, it is a cost per child or a cost per seat, depending on who you're talking to model. Um, so it's usually I'll go with uh, our, our pre-K counts model. Um, there is about a $10,000 cost per child, right? So if the child is there and they show up and that seat is full, then I would get that $10,000. But that $10,000 is supposed to cover the cost per, for child. Um, but we also need to think about uh, supplies and teacher salaries and rent and the cost of bills, uh, other bills that our providers have. And I don't, what they will tell you is when we think about the cost of care or the, um, for per child, it's going to be more than that $10,000, $11,000 rate that, that we provide. So I think that's the challenge is only providing enough for the actual child and not thinking about the wages and the actual true cost of care, mm-hmm. we're always going to be here and continue to have this conversation. I'm like the cost of running the business itself, not mm-hmm. just, yeah. Yeah. Brian, how about you? What do you, why do you think we're still struggling to meet these challenges? Uh, yeah, I think Sean Tate, you know, um, the, the cost of creating new space is also an issue too, right? So those spots are for current, um, current locations that are maxed out at capacity with waiting lists. Uh, so we can keep funneling dollars through those spots, but they're not gonna build new buildings uh, or get us our teachers to the wages that they need to be. So just increasing um, the flexibility with those dollars, I think would be helpful to the situation. Um, but the main point again, and this is what we'll say all the time, is the teacher salaries aren't even close. Um, and to get them close is a significant investment that mm-hmm. we haven't been willing to do yet. So. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, and you've mentioned the struggles in um, attracting and retaining early childhood teachers. I mean, is it and other industries are paying more or? Yeah, so we're essentially being in competition with school districts and the mm -hmm. teachers that are working kindergarten, first, second grade, who are getting paid essentially double mm -hmm. um, the median that early childcare workers are getting paid. Mm -hmm. uh, also, summers off, also mm -hmm. pensions, also unions, uh, you know, all those other bells and whistles that mm -hmm. the teachers get. And they deserve it. Please don't make me, mm -hmm. I don't want to say they don't. They deserve more too. Um, but for us to be able to sustain and to work and to fill these spots, I need those qualified teachers just as much as the kindergarten, first and second grade mm -hmm. do in the school district. Yeah, thanks, Brian. Yeah. <clears throat> Andrea, how about, how about you? What do you see as here? Well, why do you think we are still struggling? with these issues. Yeah, and I do want to just kind of, you know, build upon what both uh, the Deputy Secretary and Brian have um, indicated as the challenges and let everybody know that in York County, um, you know, the child care centers are operating only at 85% capacity, which is um, very evident across the Commonwealth as well. And the wages, we are talking about the wages, but I wanted to put a number to that. Across the Commonwealth, early childhood providers are earning 13, under $13 an hour. And so when you think about that and the critical importance of quality early care and learning and the requirements that early childhood providers have to have degrees, you know, it's not surprising that we're seeing teachers, early childhood teachers, you know, leave the field. So I think that is, um, you know, a really big concern. I think we also have to do a significant amount of additional outreach and awareness on early childhood as providing the workforce for the workforce. You know, when businesses truly understand that the reason, a big reason why they're not able to attract and retain employees is because childcare is a big barrier, whether it's access or affordability. Mm -hmm. You work with businesses directly in, in your role, Andrea. Correct. I mean, how much do you hear from them or what do they say about that challenge and how much of a role childcare or lack of childcare plays in the challenges they are facing with hiring? Yeah, so let me say that um, the Pennsylvania Early Learning Investment Commission has been around since 2008. The primary messaging that our commissioners really embraced were the longitudinal studies of quality early care and learning to prepare the future workforce, which is absolutely key. It is absolutely true. But now more and more, I'm hearing the employees, employers talk about we need childcare to be able to staff our business. Mm -hmm. We need them to be able to come to work, stay at work, progress through work, and, um, and it is a real problem. And I think businesses are really starting to recognize that it is affecting their bottom line. Um, I should also mention that we have a more recent study that shows that the economic impact of insufficient childcare to businesses, to families, to the economy is over $6.65 billion a year. So businesses are really now recognizing that this is an economic matter and they need to do, um, they need to do something mm -hmm. to be able to support this um, important need of their working families. Thank you. Shante, are you, is that message getting through the state government? Do you feel that businesses are 
kind of making that known to your office? Yes, the they, they are. And... Child care providers um, mm-hmm. have been talking to their constituent, um, sorry, their legislators mm-hmm. and legislators have shared with us that their constituents have elevated multiple mm-hmm. issues in, in the sector of child care. And it seems to be a little bit more common now than it has been in the past. Mm-hmm. Um, we've received a lot of questions around what we're doing with funding, where we're going with our regulations, um, ongoing. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm glad that that um, folks are listening. And it has been a bipartisan issue. So across both aisles, mm-hmm. folks want to know what's happening with the child care sector yeah. and how, what we can do to mm-hmm. sustain um, child care as a business. Yeah, I know we didn't prep for this question, but I'm kind of curious. I'm sure a lot of listeners are curious. What do you see the Shapiro, Shapiro administration doing on this issue? Maybe that the other past administrations have not done or not done as much of or um, well, remember the Shapiro administration is fairly <laughs> new. new. Yeah, barely 100 days. <laughs> so um, one of the things that, that I can say and being really excited about mm-hmm. is um, our our, de- our acting secretary, um, Valerie Arkush, for the Department of Human Services mm-hmm. has made child care a priority. Mm-hmm. So every time she talks, um, you know, out of her top four priorities, child care is always um, one or two on the list. So really excited about the opportunity to kind of elevate childcare as as a sector and childcare as a need mm-hmm. um, for for uh, um, our our Commonwealth. So mm-hmm. really excited about that. And Dr. Momim, um, uh, because Octel is a dual deputate, mm-hmm. so we report to both the Department of Human Services and and the Department of Education. And even in the Department of Education, Acting Secretary Momim has also made sure that um, Octel is always at the table. Mm-hmm. So serving as one of the top um, deputy secretaries and making sure that we're a part of any of the decisions that they make for um, the Department of Education as well. So that is new. Um, I'm really excited about the opportunity to be able to do that mm-hmm. and and have both secretaries elevate um, their their early learning um, and mm-hmm. child care uh, initiatives. Mm-hmm. And the Octel just for it's, it's the Office of Child Development and Early Learning. Yes. Like, yeah. <laughs> um, Brian, have you seen any? more increase in kind of what you're doing or more contact from businesses or with businesses who are sort of saying, how can we help? What can we do? Or Yeah, 100%. And mm-hmm. I think, you know, we were a beneficiary of this pandemic. I know that sounds crazy, mm-hmm. as, as terrible as it was for us as an industry. But, you know, you saw the Zoom calls with the kids running in the background. <laughs> you know, you saw parents distracted while they're trying to get their work done every day. And bosses took notice. Businesses took notice, right? Mm-hmm. How, how am I going to get the most out of my staff when they have to worry about feeding little Brian mm-hmm. at 11 30 when we have a, a business report due or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so because of that bright white light that, that was shined on us through the Zoom calls, um, businesses took notice and they, they are having conversations. And I think that the, the next part of this is, and some CEOs are talking about already of how can I expect to get the most out of my staff when they're at home with children, right? Like mm-hmm. that's that they're not getting even 50% of their effort um, and how that's not sustainable. So how are we going to get this, the workers back into the workforce is finding a place for their children to go, mm-hmm. safe, secure, and educational. Yeah, it seems like part of the challenge too is, as you think you've, you mentioned, is the readiness for school, right? Mm-hmm. And you've, a lot of, for a lot of kids, the pandemic was a disruption just in all that regular kind of socialization and yeah. Yeah, just sort of living. Yeah. <laughs> um, is there... An, is there an argument to be made for businesses that even that that's important that having students ready for kindergarten um, is something? Has that and, and this is a 
third question, but have those problems gotten worse in the last couple of years? Oh, 100%. I mean, you have second graders showing up who have been in school for two years. Mm-hmm. They didn't have kindergarten or first grade. So imagine, you know, how that rolls downhill. Mm-hmm. Um, I think businesses are, are understanding that, uh, and we have the data that suggests if you go through an early learning program, you start school on time, right? If you don't, you start school a year behind, and then it perpetuates this cycle of terribleness, whether it's high school dropouts, teen pregnancy rates go up, prison rates go up, and we can dial that down to starting them young and investing early. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and it makes sense. that it's, it, it's, takes some time, it's taken some time to convince folks of the importance of this. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and I'm, I'm encouraged to hear um, how these things are starting to blossom however slow it is but man we're making some moves here right we're getting there uh and hopefully this we, we get some momentum you know maybe some federal i mean the president of the united states is talking about child care that hasn't happened since 1979 right um so something's gonna happen where there's gonna be this wave of momentum i'm i'm just being hopelessly uh optimistic here that these dollars will start rolling in and we can get caught up and then we can start to be sustained and actually start to produce, you know, centers of high quality that are providing workers for our economy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Andrew, do you share that optimism? Or? <laughs> I do, I do. And I think, yes, I, I absolutely do. I am always a half full type of uh, person. But I will also say that it really is going to take a blend of public-private partnerships to help us put in all these different pieces of the puzzle that need to be complete. And so um, when we talk about businesses, I think businesses also are kind of under a misassumption that if they want to support working families and childcare, they should open an on-site childcare center. There are so many different things that businesses can do from a very simple, low-hanging fruit of providing information to their families, letting them know their working families, I should say, but employees in general, because we talked about a little bit earlier today that children are being taken care of by grandparents, friends, neighbors. So having those resources available, how do you find quality child care? Do you qualify for state-funded programs like Pre-K Counts, Child Care Works, Head Start? A lot of entry-level workers do, but they have no idea. Then looking more, um, you know, critically at the benefits that you're offering. Are you offering dependent care flexible spending accounts that employees can put aside some money pre-tax to pay for their child care, make it a little more affordable? And if you do, do employees understand what that is, right? Looking at your paid leave. Is that something you can invest a little bit more in? To looking at, can you partner with existing childcare providers? And all the way up to, you know, what can we say to our legislators, our community colleagues that will really help move this systems change um, further along till we realize Brian and and Shantae's dream of, you know, adequate funding uh, for the system. Yeah, because it seems like one of the challenges is always going to be compensation and staffing, right? How do you make sure, even if you have the programs that people can access, you're still dealing with the compensation issue for the actual providers. 
Um, Shantae, are there, what do you see as maybe the solution for that or are there solutions for that compensation issue? I mean, it's got to be hard for a provider to drive by on the way to work and see billboards advertising convenience store jobs for 18 bucks an hour of warehouses. Yeah, I, I, I think the plus. compensation <laughs> issue is just more mm-hmm. more compensation, right? Yeah. So, yeah. so you know, our, our, we're always going to hear about until we right size the the um until we right size the salary and wage issue in this sector, we will continue to see people leave. They will leave us, they will get the the staffing qualifications and their degrees and they could move on to the local school districts. Um, Some of our staff though, and and they have told us we've lost to Amazon and Target and Walmart because those retail businesses are offering more. I mean, you know, you shared that it's $12 an hour. Well, at, at my local Target, they're advertising 16 and $17 an hour. So sometimes our, our um, staff have told us that they have had to make very hard choices. It's not that they dislike working with children. It's really about being able to make ends meet. Um, and so and I, I think that's the, the biggest piece, right? We can't fix our staffing crisis without acknowledging that we have, we have to put more funding into this system. And until we do, that will continue to happen. Mm-hmm. If I could just add, yeah, um, I've heard politicians and elected officials say, you know, if a teacher really wants to take care of kids, it doesn't matter what they get paid, right? So this whole that whole mentality is starting to shift a little bit because those people are gone, right? Mm-hmm. No one just wants to take care of kids and not be paid a livable wage anymore. It's it's hard to find. There might be a few diamonds in the rough out there, but that is not the sustainable model for finding new teachers. Right. Um, so just we need to squash that whole idea of if you love kids, it doesn't matter what you get paid because that's not the case. If you have to feed your own children, you need to be paid a livable wage. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> do you what do you what do you see if you could wave a magic wand for that for the solution to that? What might it be? Well, I, the, my magic wand is still federal funding, uh-huh. so it's just like woohoo! <laughs> We're going to fund it like we fund school districts, mm-hmm. and it's going to be even if, part, if it's a part of school districts, fine. If they have the the tools, mm-hmm. great. Let's, let's get them the support they need to be able to provide the care. That in the end is really benefiting them first, right? Mm-hmm. Early childcare is benefiting kindergarten, first and second grade teachers mm-hmm. pretty much more than anyone else until they get older. Mm-hmm. I'm curious, this is kind of an off the wall question, but is there even a model like the way healthcare works? Like, mm-hmm. you know, obviously we, we, we pay pediatricians and doctors who take care of young children, they do okay. And I guess nurses do okay, but why, what's the difference? Why, is there a model somehow there that we can get into early childhood education, which, I mean. Yeah, there's, there's models. It's <laughs> yeah. just, again, they haven't prioritized it mm-hmm. for whatever reason, whether they think, you know, children should be home with their parents. Um, but the reality is the majority of Americans can't afford one a one-income house anymore mm-hmm. um, with multiple children. So mm-hmm. I, it's just, it's this philosophical shift that's starting to happen mm-hmm. because it's really starting to affect bottom lines now, um, mm-hmm. I think is, is where we're moving. Well, thank you. Any any last thoughts you'd want to share um, as far as maybe advancing that philosophical shift or accelerating sure. it? Sure. <laughs> um, and, and this is something I usually say at every single public speaking <laughs> uh, event that I have with businesses is that quality childcare is quality early learning. And so recognizing it's not babysitting, it's not daycare, that there are educated professionals that understand 
brain development, developmentally appropriate learning, health, safety, social, emotional. Um, there are curriculums for infants and toddlers that are aligned with the uh, pre-K to kindergarten um, school district early learning standards. And so this is a very intentional early learning process. And so when we talk about quality, we're talking about early learning and we're talking about significant outcomes for children and also for their families. Thank you. Shante? Yeah, I, I think I would just piggybacking off of what um, Andrew just talked about is just under, getting folks to understand that childcare is an essential business. And when, um, you know, things were falling apart, childcare was open. Our childcare providers were open and ready. We received hundreds of waivers around the Commonwealth when there was an ask for business, these businesses to close. So please remember the essential business of childcare and remember their essential workers as we are advocating for what folks need and how to uh, keep things together. Our childcare businesses are vital in moving our workforce and and they they really really deserve the compensation um they, they deserved it a long time ago but now more than ever thank you brian no I, words you guys <laughs> i said it again um you know we are asking the least of folks who have the least right um, and our teachers are working in these classrooms physically drained, emotionally drained, you know, we get children who are developmentally behind that they have to work with, um, picking up, putting down, like this is a really hard job uh, and, and they should be compensated accordingly. Yeah. All right, well, thank you all very much. Thank you. thank you, Joel. We appreciate it. Thank you for joining us on this edition of the York County Economic Alliance podcast produced in partnership with Biz News PA. Join us next month as we discuss cybersecurity, a priority for businesses of all types and all sizes.